Welcome everyone. And uh, again, uh, see, might have some new new people who are joining. So welcome. We are uh, in a an amazing sefer called the Chavos Havavos, Duties of the Heart. We are towards the end of the sefer. We've been doing this for quite some time. We are in the chapter regarding precious, the the uh, chapter regarding abstaining and removing oneself from so many of the uh, typical uh, temptations and involvements that uh, very often plague us, uh, especially in a world like today. But uh, this has been an issue for pretty much since the beginning of time. And last time we learned, we went through the fourth chapter of Precious. We are now about to start Perikei in Precious. Uh, which is again in this safer, the one I'm reading from is called the Lave Tov, Kolos of Slave Tovs. I I read the bottom, which is a Hebrew translation of what's on top. And the last time we learned, we really went through an incredible uh, explanation. Uh, and uh, it actually helped us really almost visualize it was so so clear of what does a Porish look like. If somebody truly has precious, because he went through different types of precious, good precious, bad precious. There are people who fake other fake people out. They make believe they're holy, uh, abstaining individuals, not involved in any of the uh, physical aspects of the world. But really, they have a very different agenda. So, and he said, if you really want to tell and be able to determine if somebody truly a parish, this is what they need to have. And, and he went through an incredibly beautiful explanation of all of the qualities of a parish. And that brought us to the end of the fourth, the fourth parak. Now we're going to start the fifth parak. And again, there are different, uh, to give you an exact page number, it won't help. In, in my particular safer, it's page Reish Samach, but it, it has different uh, versions of this or different uh, pages. But basically, if you're at the fifth parak of Shah Precious, then you're, you're in the right place. If you want to follow us in, inside, along with us, I, I translate everything, and please, I know you've been hesitant, but if you do have any questions along the way, you shouldn't hesitate. You can unmute yourself, and you can ask a question. You could use the chat to ask a question, uh, uh, you know, any which way you feel comfortable, and uh, you don't want to interrupt, which is not a problem. You will, at the end, we'll give you a chance as well, um, and generally, this year goes till about nine o'clock, just to give you an idea of uh, the framework of this year. It's about a 45 minute year. Okay, so let's uh, let's dive into Parakeet. So we, we, we discussed last time, you know, good precious and b- bad precious. And the good precious, of course, is the precious that our Torah recommends, that based on the Torah's concepts of how, to one, how one should lead their lives, the Torah really uh, doesn't demand precious necessarily, but certainly uh, extols it and certainly recommends it as being a virtue to strive for. So if you want to know exactly how does this precious manifest itself and in which particular areas does one have to conduct themselves in a, in a way of precious, I'm going to give you the following answer. Now, I want to just make a, a caveat. I've said this many times over the years in this year, but since we have some new people, I see, 
which is wonderful. Uh, I want to just make the caveat, I want to state it again, that we are not learning this because this is exactly what every single person hearing these words has to do right now. This, this is, we are at the end of a, an incredible book, a two-volume sefer of the Chos of Avos, which is a, a very similar to Mesil Sisharim, is really a process of growth and of inculcating values at a pace where a person is at. So I don't want anybody to think, oh my gosh, I got to do all this. Let's take it easy. If we can do it, great. If we can do part of it, it's also great. If we can't do anything at all, that's fine. At least we know what the target is. At least we, we know what we're looking at as far as the vision of the complete total Torah personality. What does that look like? But in no way is this mandating us to tomorrow morning uh, empty all of our cabinets and get rid of you know all of our uh, china and everything else and uh, you know start a life of precious. We're we're not there yet. But let's just get a vision of what this looks like. And uh, hey, if we start the journey, it's that's, that's pretty good too. Okay, so let, let's see what he says. Peter Based on the Torah's direct directives, there are really three different areas that precious would manifest itself. Number one, there is a world of precious in interpersonal relationships. Kleimar, meaning to say, when we interact with other people, and we are in their company, and we are uh, involved with them, there are ways to, con- con- to, to conduct ourselves which fall under the category of precious. And he's gonna, really going to sort of change the, uh, the paradigm of precious because that's right away, how does precious have to do with interpersonal relationships? We think of the word precious, we just, we just think of what we're not going to involve ourselves with. But it's really, it goes way deeper as we spoke about last time. And it certainly has a lot of the idea of, of um, sort of really the key underpinning of precious is an understanding that my life here is really for the next world, uh, that we're preparing ourselves and working towards gaining eternity. And, and, and that's really the underpinning of precious because precious sort of says, what am I getting impressed with this world about? What am I, uh, you know, going crazy about the three car garage? And the house in Malibu, uh, is that really what's going to get get me my ticket to eternity? Uh, aren't there other values that are way, way more important than, uh, you know, making it, so to speak, you know, the American dream, so to speak? So, so I, I guess when you look at it from that perspective, interpersonal relationships are not, are not shocking because certainly uh, a lot of our value system is based on the competitive juices we have with other people. So we'll see, we'll see how that relates to precious. Number two, The second area of precious, in addition to the interpersonal relationship part, is things that are relevant only to myself, not to anybody else. They just relate to me in my involvement with my senses, my physical senses, and in my limbs, my body. Physical actions that I am involved with, uh, and in the senses that I have that I partake of, that's a second area of precious. And the third area of precious, gimel, 
The third area are the hidden qualities, thoughts, character traits, um, different, uh, again, thoughts and feelings, uh, whether good or bad, that are embedded in the depths of my heart, of our hearts, each and every person personally. So things that we do personally that are physical in nature, and we're using our senses and our body. And then there's, we don't move at all for it. We just, this is about our internal makeup, character, personality, and thoughts that are not evident at all to the outside world. Those are the three areas of precious, and he will uh, address each one one by one. So the type of precious that we have to conduct ourselves in uh, when we are involved with other people, he, it is as follows. Number one, greet every person with a beautiful, friendly face, with a nice face, with a wonderful countenance. That's number one. Again, a lot of these things are going to hit us like they don't sound like precious, but I guess that's why we're coming to learn this because uh, the Cholos Havos is educating us about what true precious is about. And we show tremendous joy when we see them. Excitement. Wow, it's great to see you. I haven't seen you in a while. And we conduct ourselves towards all of them with humility. With shiftless. The sense of loneliness, uvrach namucha, with a low spirit, not haughty, not being some big shot, not feeling that uh, you know I own the world. But when we we greet these people and they see us, we make them feel like they're a million dollars, and we're we're just you know just another another nice uh, person, just sort of without any type of uh, self promotion, total humility. We speak to them, it's with a soft voice. We speak so- softly and sweetly. And in our relationship with them, we'll always be with compassion and with a sense of uh, a sense of uh, uh, refinement and uh, finding favor in them with chemla and, comp- and, uh, and uh, softness and uh, feelings of also a type of uh, compassion or uh, empathy, uh, sympathy, just a, a real warm feeling that we have to exude uh, when we come in contact with these people, and all, all people. We try not to bother them. We're not looking to, oh, can you do this for me? Can you do that for me? We're not using people. And we're constantly looking at them from a favorable point of view. If they forgot something, they didn't do something, they may have maybe said the wrong thing. You know, they had a rough day. We're constantly looking not to get people, not to be angry at people, but just the opposite. We're looking to judge people favorably. And we're doing kindness with them. We're not looking in any way to benefit from them. We have no thoughts of getting what is theirs. Because after all, that's not, that's not what I have. Right, what I have is what Akash Baruch Hu gives me, and what they have is what Akash Baruch Hu gives them. And as they say, the twain shall never meet. I can, I'll never get what's yours, and you'll never get what's mine. Because when you get it, Akash Baruch Hu decides that it should that it should be yours. That's he'll, he'll be Akash Baruch Hu's decision. But the idea that I'm looking at somebody for what they have 
and thinking that maybe as I get close to them, I can gain some advantage from that. That's completely not in the mind of a parish. We are in the gate of precious, uh, of abstaining, but we're, the Chomos Havavos is open, opening up our eyes that the, uh, the idea of precious goes way beyond the typical conventional uh, idea of precious, as we're uh, learning right now, as we are particularly focused right now in, on Beromla Chavero, on interpersonal relationships. And we try to help them in any way we can, whether it's for areas concerning this world or the next world, we're there. We're there to help. Total readiness. And we're ready to teach them the, what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants from us and basically expose them to Torah, expose them to, to what God really wants, what HaKadosh Baruch Hu's will is. And if they sort of speak harshly, it's okay. We're, I'm ready to take it. I'm ready to handle it. It's, it's not, it's, what am I going to start getting angry now? I'm getting all bent out of shape. Again, Prishos is a total clarity of what this world is about. So I'm not going to let some person get to me. I'm not going to start getting all upset. Well, what, what is that about? What, I'm going to start getting in cas? This is just such a total removal from the physical world that it has such residual impact also into the area of interpersonal relationships. We did that. We are able to, to accept it when they speak harshly with us. And we're not going to ask them for anything. We're going to ask God for what we need. We're not going to ask these people who we interact with to help us. I'm not going to bother them with, with my personal need. HaKadosh Baruch will take care of me. And to make sure that the people that I do hang around with are not people who are involved with a lot of eating, a lot of drinking, a lot of levity, weekend junkets to, to, uh, to Vegas. What happens here stays here. All types of uh, drinking situations, which we know go on, unfortunately, in different places. None of that. Okay. If, again, if you're valuing your stay here in this world, then you're not going to be uh, connected to people who are completely focused on this world and on enjoying and having levity in this world with very little thought about the next world. And we are constantly careful from what everything that, get, that gets done around us, okay, that, that uh, the people that we hang around with should not cause us in any way to rebel against the Baruch Hu. It should not take us out of the realm of propriety and modesty, a decency, uh, and traditional proper norms of, of the way a Jew is supposed to behave. By my involvement with this group. So you're not going to in any way allow uh, the people that you know and that you uh, are interacting with to bring you down. And if you're sensing that they do, then you just completely desist from that type of activity, that, that type of group. You're no longer going. If if the uh, Mahjong game or the poker game or whatever other game, you know, you play once a week uh, with a nice group of people. If they're a nice group of people, you don't speak Lashnahara and you're all having a wonderful time about positive things, then fine. But if all of a sudden, you know, you're sensing this is going in the wrong direction, this is not the... Uh, the kind of conversation I want to have during my uh, time that I want to, you know, chill and take it easy. Well, then that's it. I, I need to find a new chevron. 
So chevra is critical for a parush because clearly it gives you it gives a person a chance to completely be giving and sensitive on one end, and also obviously to be careful not to get sucked into the wrong crowd on the other end. Okay, that takes care of precious number one. That's precious that that manifests itself in adam lechaveiro between one Jew and another. Now precious number two. There are three in total. Precious number two. As we turn the page and we skip the small print, we're going to go right just for the bigger print on the bottom. And the precious that we conduct ourselves with in the second area of precious. Right? So you already said what it was, and now we're going to dive in. The precious that involves what we do with our physical body privately what we do with our physical senses privately, nothing to do with anybody else. This is just what uh, each individual does uh, by themselves. Now, this area, number two, is divided into two parts. Number one, there are two parts in, in the second part of precious. The first part is of the second part is precious of what we're not allowed to do, things that are prohibited from us uh, to, to us from doing. Namely, staying away from all of the negative commandments, which the Torah tells us stay away from. Don't do this. Don't wear that. Don't eat this. Uh, don't do that. That's part one of part of the second precious. But Hashani, and the second part of the second precious is he appreciates precious, precious not from the things we're not allowed to do, but maybe, but but rather precious from the things we are allowed to do. Klaimar, precious There are many things that Torah said it's okay, but even in those things that are okay, and again, I want to make say it again because I think there were people who joined us after my little introduction was that this is not for everyone to jump in today or tomorrow, but let's just hear him out, and at least we can see what the ultimate goal is as we climb the ladder of life. But uh, let's not think that this is something that he's telling every single person right now as they, you know, hear this year, that this is where you need to be. This is where you uh, have a wonderful goal of striving towards. Uh, let's, let's say that. So, yeah, so the second one, are, in the second area are the things that we're allowed to do, but even in what you're allowed to do is an idea of precious. There's not something that you can just sort of uh, indiscriminately involve yourself with to no end, even though it's mutter, even though it's permissible. So now he's going to examine each one of those. Okay, if, uh, if it wasn't interesting enough, each one of these two areas has three components to them. So the area of precious involving things which we're not allowed to do has three parts. And things that, that involve precious on things that we're allowed to do also has three parts. Okay, so I guess uh, having a chart or taking notes wouldn't be such a bad idea. It gets a little complicated here. But well, it's not too bad. Kleimar, uh, everything which the Torah prohibits us to do, there are three possible categories of things that you're not allowed to do. And the Torah says to us, don't do that. What are those three categories? 
either these are things we'd like to do, but not we can't. Okay, uh, you know, why not? We'd love to do it. If the Torah said it's okay, it would be okay. But the Torah said it's not okay, so we're not, we can't do what, like what kinds of things? Right? Who wouldn't want to be completely free of any type of moral obligations to be able to have relation with any, any woman or any man you wanted? Total freedom. Okay, right? I mean, most people would, would, would want that. We'll see. But that's certainly an, a, a, a physical passion and drive that's within every single person. Gazelle, right? If it wasn't prohibited to steal, why wouldn't I take somebody else's possessions? Now, maybe I might feel it's morally wrong, but certainly uh, if you want something, you desire something, if there was no prohibition about taking it, you certainly would be tempted. Ribis, charging interest. Achila Oshias Dovraser, eating or drinking something that's prohibited. Arsalanu, right? Who wouldn't, uh, right? Again, I'm not a big wine person, but many people who are fancy connoisseurs, I'm sure there's a little bit of, oh my gosh, what I would give for a, a Bordeaux or some $250 bottle of wine, you know, made in France and aged so perfectly and it's so smooth off, you know, whatever, with the, all these, um, the swishes and the swirls and all the four S's you got to do. I once went to a Pesach uh, five-minute presentation on wine tasting. Anyway, but all of those, all of those things are permissible. I'm sorry, are desirable. But the Torah says, even though I understand you want to do it, you can't. Yeah, and obviously the wine wasn't kosher. Was maybe you know Yainesech was worshipped, and it becomes prohibited. Okay, or then category category number one. I would love to do it, but I can't. Category two is um, I, I wouldn't mind doing it. I don't really dr- desire it so terribly. It's not like the nature of a person is uh, has a strong drive for it. But they don't hate it either, right? I, I'm lukewarm about it. Kagon, for example, the Visha's biggest shotness. Right, so I see a nice suit. Now, do I have to wear a suit that's wool and linen? Obviously not. I mean, I wouldn't mind. If it's a good suit, the price is right, why not? It happens to be that if it's shotness, I can't wear it. But it isn't like I'm dying to wear a shotness suit, but I wouldn't mind. How covers Klyam? I wouldn't mind planting, you know, seeds of different types of uh, of uh, grain intermittently and mix it up. You know, what's, what's the big deal? I, I don't it's not like I have a passion for it. It isn't like I'm, I'm a, I, I, I dream at night about planting wheat with, with the grapes. But if I'd be able to do it, I wouldn't mind doing it. You know, it's not a big deal. Achilles Basavachalov, right? We would, you know, the cheeseburger is nice. You know, it certainly wouldn't, you know, but the, we're managing without it. We got enough calories a day even without the cheeseburger, but it's, it's you know, it's, it wouldn't be bad. But it isn't, isn't like I have an innate passion towards, towards that. Achias Chalev, eating prohibit, prohibited parts of the meat, the fatty parts of the meat that I'm, you know, could be very delicious, but, you know, we can manage without it. And and many things like it. Um, that is that is category number two. Things that I, uh, I would do, but certainly would not any great zeal, but if it would be permissible, I would do it. And the Torah says, no, don't do it. And finally, the third category is things that are repulsive anyway. I wouldn't even dream of doing these things. And my soul is repulsed by those things. 
right? So um, maybe, I don't know, maybe in today's world, it's not that repulsive, but the idea, uh, certainly in the Chovos Havavos' opinion, that you see a, a carcass and you want to now shech the car, not shech, he's already, it's already dead, but you want to take some of the meat from that carcass and have it for dinner, that's the, no one, no, uh, that's not anything I'm interested in. I'm repulsed by that. Bechilas dam, eating blood, right? Who wants to have blood? Bechilas balechayim, rabim shadmohi, wrote to lecholosa, many types of animals that, uh, and insects and creatures that we find quite repulsive. Even if they were permissible in being able to be eaten, I wouldn't do it. Go and shkot some vermosim with vermdaimim. Okay, I've certainly, I've, uh, you know, I've seen lobster and I, you know, can't for the life of me see why people like, I'm sure it's not bad, but my natural uh, feeling about lobster is revulsion. Um, and certainly, uh, you know, mosquitoes or, uh, or uh, roaches or all types of insects and grasshoppers, that kind of stuff. Shkot some vermosim, creepy crawlers. Most people are repulsed by them. So those are your three categories. Things that you would love to do, things you are okay with doing, and things you wouldn't do anyway because you find them repulsive. So what should you do about these three categories? So in, in, in the second area of precious, which is, which is an area that uh, are things that we do uh, physically, and then now we're in the first area of, of, uh, of that of that second category, namely things that we're not supposed to do. When well, now we, he, he delineated three different types of categories of things we're not supposed to do. So what's the, what's my reaction? How does precious work in these areas? He says something very fascinating. One that actually seems to run against some conventional wisdom in other, in other commentaries. And he says that the feelings we have towards category number three, the, the idea of eating a rodent, a creepy crawler, a, something that is completely repulsive to us, needs to be our mindset about all of those three categories. So even though, even though we would want to do it in, category, in the first of the three categories, we should work on ourselves to find ourselves revol- revolted or revulsed or uh, just uh, really, uh, yeah, I'm not sure if there's a better word than that, uh, of doing even those things that are, we would naturally want to do. So if somebody brought up the idea of having illicit relations, the parush, the one who has precious, is revolted by that. It's, it's disgusting. I can't even imagine you'd think about doing such a thing. Well, what do you mean? What's so terrible? I mean, I know it's pro- prohibited, but you wouldn't want to do it? No. If I'm a parish, I not only don't do it because God tells me not to do it, I have a, physic- I have a physically negative response to the whole idea. Let's see what he says. And your job, my dear brother and sister, is to train yourself as a preacher. Everything which HaKadosh Baruch Hu commanded us to separate from should be re- related to in this last way. To be repulsed by all of the pleasures that are prohibited, all the, the desires that you might have that, are, that your na- natural inclination would take you towards, 
but you need to bring yourself to the point where that's that's disgusting. I, I no way. To the same extent that, that uh, let's say, I would re- react to lobster or to, I don't know, eating all these rodents and all, the, all these things that people in other places seem to eat, but, you know, we, a lot of us have natural revulsions to them. That should be the way we feel about all of these things, even the ones we, we would desire naturally. For example, relations with a woman who's prohibited to you, okay, or a man, obviously, depending on, he's talking to a man, but it goes the other way, obviously, with a woman. Or to take uh, money in a prohibited fashion, even a small amount of money. Or somebody who is on the way down and you're on the way up and you're going to now derive some joy that you got the promotion and they didn't. So you're it's self-promoting and self-serving to derive benefit and to be happy that you're on your way up and that person's on their way down, which is a natural feeling. Or other things which a person would, would, would naturally derive pleasure from and would want to go there. You have to develop an attitude about those things which ultimately result in you looking at those things like uh, eating a mouse or blood or a rodent. That's how, that's how bad it needs to be uh, in your mind. Now that, this is not easy. I mean, this is definitely not easy. Um, and what's even more amazing about this, it doesn't even seem that according to all other Rishonim, this is necessarily the way it should be. Right? There's a very famous Rashi that talks about um, you know, not eating certain things, and the person's attitude shouldn't be, I don't want to eat it. The person's attitude should be, I do want to eat it, but I'm not doing it because HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells me not to do it. So, you know, I don't want to, I didn't see anybody who, who resolves this question. I think the resolution really is at to what level a person's on. I think Rashi's maybe talking sort of to a, to a basic person on a regular level that uh, would say, in order to sort of train oneself to do things because Hashem told me to, that's my approach. But I think the Chavos Havavos, especially here, towards the end of the Sefer, is at a very, very high level. And a person, when they're really in sync with, with the desire of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, of what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants, and their perspective is going to be, this is, God doesn't want me to do this. So it, this is so... Uh, so unacceptable, uh, so uh, revulsive to me because of the fact that this is antithesis to God's will that I, I, I don't want to go there at all. I just can't even think about going there. It literally, it literally almost makes me sick to even think about it. Because when you reach this level, not an easy level to reach, but when you reach this level, where you're able to say no to these temptations, not because you're overcoming your temptation, but because there is no temptation. There's nothing there. There's no juice. There's no, there's no desire. A person has their, their inner workings in such perfect um, balance and such perfect equi- equilibrium with the Ratzon Hashem, that whatever HaKadosh Baruch says, no, it's, it's revolting to me. I don't want to go. I don't want to even get near that thing. So when a person's on that level, 
then you know you've accomplished something special. And your, your soul's not going to make it difficult for you. Then that person will then reach a special category of tzaddikim who are who are repulsed by any sin or any type of downfall. The whole prospect of doing anything wrong will be unex- completely unacceptable, unacceptable to them. Like the Pasuk says, no sin befalls the tzaddik. So at that point, you, you, the person is so in sync with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so in tune with what this world is about, so recognizes that anything that is prohibited is going to take me far away from my goal of gaining eternity and spending eternity uh, connected to Hashem. So well, what am I going to be tempted by something so foolish and so fleeting? It's just completely unacceptable. It's just not... Not within the framework of my thought process. Again, this is this is lofty stuff. It's amazing stuff. It's amazing way to look at the world. Can you imagine if we can get there where things don't Lashon Hara? Tempting? Lashon Hara is my gateway to Gehenna. What kind of temptation? So it's just they're gonna they're gonna raise the 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 the, the you know the temperature down there. I'm gonna and I'm gonna be sitting there regretting eternally what what the world was I doing. That's tempting. I mean, when you think about it in those terms. Right, what did the Chavetz Chaim when he heard Lashon Hari? He, he ran away. This was this was a fire. I mentioned that story um, often, although I don't mention it as, as often as I used to because people get somewhat offended. People who are not really aware of the rules and regulations of Lashon Hari are somewhat put off by this story. But I'll uh, I think I'm talking to a special group here, so I'm I'm going to risk it. Um, but I but I'll tell you what people. Okay, well, yeah, I, there's a question on the floor about Lashar to a non-Jew. I'm not going to add the short answer. Let me actually, I can't see the whole sentence. One second here. Uh, is Lashar said to a non-Jew still Lashar? Yes, said to a non-Jew absolutely is Lashar. About a non-Jew is a little more complicated. Essentially, the answer is no, but it doesn't mean it's a good idea, but it's not the severity of Lashar. But to a non-Jew could actually be, be worse. Then he even sing Lashon Hara to a Jew. But, okay, let's sort of put that on the back burners. I do give Lashon Hara Shia once a month. You're invited to that. And, um, uh, you know, certainly we can go through that then. But basically my point is that um, a real tzaddik, when they smell any type of, of problem spiritually, they, were, they have problems. And I'll tell you an amazing story very quickly. Rav Henkin was, was one of the great in New York in the 20th century. And he was a very, towards the end of the 20th century, very frail man, and he was very weak, and he had to be carried into the room at a certain rabbinic convention. And Reb Simcha Soloveitchik saw him many years ago, and he told me that he was an eyewitness to the story. So this is secondhand already, because I heard it from a, a witness, and you're hearing it from me. But it's pretty close, pretty close to the source. Anyway, the story he said was that they put him at a table with some kind of rabbinic gathering, and the different people were there, and I guess whatever, somebody maybe wasn't uh, so careful, started speaking Lashon Hara at the table, where Rav Henkin was there. And Rav Henkin, he told me, took, like Gemara says, put the, his earlobes into his ear, and he said, Lashon Hara? And the man who could not walk into the room ran out of the room on his own. 
he literally ran out of the room on his own free volition. And you'd say, well, of course, well, if there was a fire, God forbid, of course, you get, you get adrenaline, you get energy, and you run out. Well, <laughs> that's pretty amazing. That Lushan Hara for him created a sense of, of uh, emergency that it was like a fire. And the adrenaline started pumping, and he was able to run out of the room, even though he couldn't walk into the room. So uh, when people truly understand what these Averis are about and what they, it means to their eternal connection to HaGadosh Baruch Hu, then running out and being, you know, being repulsed by these things are actually logical. But the trouble is we don't feel them, un- unfortunately, to the extent that these great people do. Um, I know some people are bothered, but it wasn't, didn't he embarrass that person? Okay, that's the that's pushback I get when I said the story um, more than once. I get pushback. Oh, well, why? That's what was wrong. He embarrassed him. So what's worse? Embarrassing somebody? Was well, speaking Lashonara. Isn't embarrassing the worst of era? And the, the answer is, of course, that there are certain times you lose your protection as a Jew from being embarrassed. So people use that same argument when they talk in shul. They, ba- they blabber and blabber and blabber in shul and they, they disturb everybody from davening. And then when you go over to them and you try to keep them quiet and you shush them and shush them and they ignore you. And then you finally come at them a little bit harsh and say, you know, you know especially if you have somebody in charge of it, you know, please, you're disturbing the davening. If you don't want to keep quiet, please leave the shul. Oh, so, so uh, now you're embarrassing me. So that's better. So what's worse, talking during davening or embarrassing somebody? It, it's a nice try, but it's a poor attempt at justification for your actions because you've lost your protection. When you talk during davening and you're disturbing people, you're putting the entire shul at risk. The, the Mishnah writes that shuls have been burnt down by talking during davening. So we're just trying to protect ourselves, and therefore you lost your protection by being one of those people who's uh, putting everyone in jeopardy. So when, when you speak Lashon Hara, uh, you've lost that you've you've lost that uh, right of protection from embarrassment if if you can find a nice way to do it fine i guess he couldn't find a nice way and therefore he felt he needed to to run out okay so that takes care of that okay um so th- that governs the things that we're not supposed to do and we have to relate to them as being uh terrible and uh, horrific on the other hand the things that we are allowed to do and now, now he's going to segue into that. All the things that are permissible to us by the Torah, and, and the Torah gave us rishus to, to do them, they too break down in one of three categories. The things that we are allowed to do break down into three categories. What are they? Either they're essential things that are not done for pleasure. It's, I do them because I have to. I need, I need to do them to survive. Okay, we need to drink. We need to eat. We need to breathe. Okay, there's certain things that we need to do simply just to get by. It's not about I, wanting, I want to do them. I need to do them. Oshu Dover, that's number one. Number two, Oshu Dover Shadam Osa Soksas Yosemidas at Sarachachuni. I don't really need to do that, but Umiskavim Basyosal Shane Tainuk. But you know, I, if I order a steak in a restaurant, do I need the steak? I could get by with obviously something more basic, but 
I have to say, it gives me some pleasure. I mean, I have to eat something anyway, and I, you know, might as well eat something that gives me a little bit more pleasure. As we, at least I just turned the page. Um, uh, but he does the thing, the, that which he goes above and beyond the minimum, it's still within reason. It's not over the top. It's not completely, uh, you know, totally immersed in it and totally loosey-goosey. Not at all. It's measured. I'm not going to have a two-pound steak. I'm going to have a nice piece of meat. I'm going to, you know, buy something that's respectable and nice, but I'm not going to go overboard. I'm not going to necessarily get myself a Bentley convertible, but if I get myself a nice... uh, you know, a Corolla, or maybe that's too low, or, you know, a Camry or something. That's, you know, it's basic, it's normal, it's a little nicer than I need. I can't, no one could say they absolutely need to have a Camry, but, you know, whatever. It's, but it's not over the top. Going to Ochel Hashem Kuma Chrechi, Lechem Tov, you have a nice piece of bread, fresh, you know, fancy roll, you went a little bit overboard, and you got yourself a, a better bagel than the other bagel. We have Shilam Timim, very tasty foods. And you get yourself a nice bottle of wine that you like. You, you could have ma- managed on a $4 bottle of Concord grape, but you went a little bit, uh, you bought yourself a $15 bottle of uh, something, you know, better. It's, it's not the end of the world. You can't say you need to, but it's within reason. And it's not completely abandoning basic guidelines of normalcy. That's category number two. So too with garments, with your, your living quarters. He goes a little bit above and beyond the minimum. Okay, so we're not at the Rebetzin Kanievsky level, but, you know, it's not also over the top. You're not spending $8,000 on a mattress and, you know, $400 on a pillow. It's, it's within reason. That's le- le- level number two. You're allowed to. Uh, you don't need this, but you also are not going overboard. And level number three, um, not overindulgence. Okay, was that a question or just a statement? I'm not sure. Okay, um, let's see. And um, number three is Oshu Marba Umafrisbo, a complete letting oneself go, basically overindulgence. Literally, that you you are so gluttonous and so involved in 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 the physical pleasures that it can lead a person very easily over the line to prohibited activity. Not to mention the fact that if you're so involved and you're so indulged in these pleasures, you're certainly not going to have time to focus on godly matters. So the idea that you're going to now all of a sudden. Uh, recognize, you know, what you have to do when you're so involved in these things, it's not going to happen. You're not, you're going to miss out on the real obligations of life. Commotion Amar, as the Pasuk says in Mishle, uh, if a person gets too much involved with their drinking, they will forget that which is already inscribed as law, as halacha. So that clearly is the third area and one that one obviously should stay away from. So in these three areas, again, how does how does precious manifest itself? So let's wrap this up in the, with the next paragraph. And your job, my dear 
friend, he says, my dear brother, your job is to conduct yourself in all of these areas to the extent that you can uh, regarding these permissible areas. What's permissible should be treated by you as prohibited. It's not permissible. So let's let's before let's let's just fin- let's finish the paragraph before we panic. In order for you not to leave the Torah, and that you should not forget about your responsibility like for example, we know what God has commanded uh, a king, a Jewish king. Don't have too many horses, don't have too many wives. We're commanded, the, the king is commanded, don't have too many wives because they can easily uh, move you away from Torah. Even though he was so brilliant, so deep in his understanding, about these matters, Shoma Melech sinned. Because if you overindulge, so again, that, that's where the problem is. So you have to see, and that, he's not referring here to the things we actually must do. He's not, uh, not even seemingly referring to the things that we're allowed to do with some level of, of balance and uh, a little bit of, of over-involvement, but certainly the things that are very, that take you a person away, we have to look at that. That's little, completely prohibited. Don't overdo it. Um, the Imkain, and if that's the case, Allah has come of a kama ata, based on every, uh, you, he's talking to us, all of us, to the extent of your understanding, be careful, okay, be careful about all the pleasures, even those that are permissible, because if you overdo it, he leaves the middle category out a little bit, doesn't seem to be really referring to that, um, I guess that's where our, our understanding and our sense of where we're at needs to play a role. You know, what, what is my feeling towards that middle category? And am I really doing it with a measured degree or am I overdoing it? But certainly to overdo anything in an extreme way is very dangerous. And we, and basically a parish looks at those things as if they're prohibited. It's not even, it's not even a question. And the truth of the matter is uh, just uh to further elaborate, according to according to the Ramban, famous Ramban Kedoshim Tiyu, Ramban explains when the Torah talks about being holy, this is exactly what he's talking about. He says there's room within the Torah framework to overindulge, and he calls it to be a novel b'shusat Torah. So we can easily lose sight of where we're at and what we're doing um, if we're not careful. So with this, we're still not done with this chapter, but we'll have to stop here. So basically. We've done two of the three categories because we did the Benol uh, Chavero tonight. We did the three, um, the, the, I'm sorry, we did category number two, which is the area of our, my physical uh, reactions to things and my involvement in the physical world uh, and with my senses. And in that second category, there are, um, it was broken down into two things that I'm not allowed to do and things that I'm allowed to do. And those two are broken down into three different parts and we've covered both those parts in all of the three nuances 
Okay, and basically uh, we have to be repulsed by all of the negative things that which the Torah says don't do, even though we naturally have a drive for it. On the positive end, anything that's overly involved, even though we're allowed to do it, it's, it's permissible. Our job is to stay far away because it can lead us down a negative path. Okay, great to see some new members. Hopefully, um, hopefully you can join us in the future. And uh, Bez Hashem, I think... Uh, Two weeks from now is the next year. Mrs. Bear, is that correct? I think that's correct. And you'll certainly get an email. But you might want to get, I don't know, there are people here who I don't know if you have their email. So anyway, uh, have a wonderful evening. Thanks for joining. And we look forward to seeing you soon.